Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey guys, it's Kayla. I am so happy you're able to join us today because we are all still so directionally challenged. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in our 30s, but surprise, we don't. And that's okay. And our guest today is Hannah Brown. And you know and love her from many different things. But guess what? She's here to tell us she also still doesn't have it all figured out. So we're all in this together. Hannah Brown is a TV personality that you guys know and love from so many different shows, including The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Special Forces, Dancing with the Stars. She also has a podcast out now called Better Tomorrow. She has a memoir that is 
wildly moving and very insightful called God Bless This Mess. She also has a romance novel coming out and a lot of advice to share. I'm so grateful to finally have Hannah B on Directionally Challenged. And wanted to apologize. You guys will notice there's a little bit of movement in the background, but the interview is fantastic. So without further ado, here is my lovely conversation with Hannah Brown. Guys, I am here with Hannah Brown. I am so excited to have you on. I know everyone listening is going to be so excited for this episode of Directionally Challenged in particular. You know, there's so much to discuss, but I really want to start with your book, God Bless This Mess. I mean, let's talk about what went into the decision of writing the book, because I know you went into this deep dive of self-help and realized that you might not be at the solution stage yet, but you still could not find what it is that you needed. And then you had this thought that came to you that maybe you should be the one to write the book. Yeah, I, I had a lot of life happen in a very condensed amount of time. I feel like that was very unique. And with that came a lot of life lessons and a lot of evaluation of, oh man, I don't know how I got here and I don't know what I'm doing. And it's all just really messy right now. And, you know, there's so many self-help books out there, books you can read. And it always seems like when people write those, they're already on the other side. And while that can be so helpful sometimes, sometimes it can feel like when you're in the middle of it, that you're alone and you're the only one that can't find these realizations while you're going through it. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm just going to take this opportunity and write when I'm in the middle of it and what I'm learning along the way, but be really open about like, I don't have the answers to where I'm at right now and what the solution is going to be. But with that, I think... I think my power and what I can really lean into and what makes me so people relate relate to is that vulnerability of of not knowing but still being like willing to go on the journey to find out and and know that it I know that there's hope I guess on the other side. Yeah, and it's so refreshing to have someone be so honest and real and raw, because the truth is none of us really have the answers, right? Like, I mean, everyone has what works for them, but what works for one person may not work for someone else. And the list goes on and on and on. And I just really enjoyed reading God Bless This Mess because it was so frank and honest. And, you know, I think being in the spotlight and being thrust into the spotlight can be really lonely. And then to have to deal with all of it, can be really lonely. And so the entire process, even though your world has opened up significantly, can end up being really isolating and small and and lonely. And not to mention, I know you spent a bunch of your early teens and 20s in the pageant world, which you learn a lot about yourself in that as well. But you learned to be, as you know, you talk about in the book, a s- certain version of yourself that a lot of people would like and a lot of people thought you could and should be. And it wasn't until you just decided <laughs> to open yourself up and just own who you really were that you, you kind of let your guard down and on national television. <laughs> and you talk about how freeing it was. But can you talk us through that a little bit? Because I can imagine making that decision to open up in a space that is so, you know, not private, so public would be really difficult. Yeah. Well, actually, kind of goes back to our mutual friend, Cammie. I feel like if it wasn't for her, any of this 
we, we wouldn't be talking. Oh my gosh. Wow. Tell me everything. <laughs> she, I don't, you know how she like judges pageants sometimes. For sure. So you guys, just to give context, our mutual friend, Cammie A. Bear Miller owns a company called Show Me Your Moo Moo. And that's how Hannah and I know each other. She's just wonderful and has wonderful people around her. And so Hannah and I are part of that crew. And so continue. So everyone knows. Yes, yes, for sure. And, you know, I did pageants for a while and wasn't winning. And I, every time I would just look back and, okay, what, what did the girl do that did win? And how can I mold myself into that. And honestly, it just got really taxing. I stopped doing it. I mean, my mental health was like not doing so great. And then I had like a whole life switch of thought I was going to get engaged in it. I right out of college, you know, I'm from Alabama. That's just what most people do. It seems right. Or the people around me. And I went back and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this one more time. And usually I would like prepare all year for this one shot, because for me also, I think some people, are, some people like don't fully understand pageants and why I kind of thought that was my way out. But like, I thought that was my way out into doing something different because around me, everybody was doing the whole getting married right after college, settling down, probably just like an hour away from where they lived, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and nothing's wrong with that, but that was all I saw. And I kind of wanted, knew I always wanted something different. And the people that I saw out there that were doing something, pageants was it. And I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. So a few months before, like giving up on it completely, I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to like find a job here. And Did Cammie tell you to enter another pageant? So I go, I decide to do it and she ends up being my judge. <laughs> and I like flipped the script fully. Like me winning was kind of like them choosing somebody very different because I went in just being like, I'm just going to be myself and we're just going to see how this works. And that's when it, that's, that's when I won. Truly, that was one of the biggest like aha moments I've had in my life of like, oh, I didn't like prep for this. I didn't have to like prepare exactly the perfect answer that was going to win these judges over and have the perfect dress and have the perfect body. Like I just went in and that's when people saw me. And I won finally after for years doing it. And then I met with Cami again, like after that, she was my judge. She was so sweet. She was like, anything you want from Shami Mumu? Like, I just want to like help, help you in this journey. And like, I remember I went out to LA actually when I met Tim Story. Your mentor. Yes. My mentor. I met him this weekend. And then I met with Cami the same weekend out in LA. And she was like, you know what? I just feel like you got to do something more. Like maybe you should just be like on the bachelor. And when you're on the bachelor, like you're either going to win or you'll become the bachelorette. And she was like, she like planned my whole life out for me. But I think being around people who like expanded my life, I just had like this, this season in my life that I realized, Oh, it's a lot. There's so much more world. There's so much more out in the world to do. And there's these people in my life that are showing me or are believing that I can do something different. And then just being able to be like, you know what, what the heck? I'm just, I'm just going to try it out. We'll see. We'll see what happens, which was not my personality at all. At all. <laughs> no. <laughs> or what perfect. I made my personality. Right. And I that's guess. the thing. Perfect's boring. Newsflash, guys. Perfect. Don't try to be perfect. It truly is boring and you can never be perfect. So you will exhaust yourself trying to do something that will never work. And it will just be like a hamster on a wheel. I completely understand and relate to that. I spent a lot of my life doing the same. But Hannah, what a lot of people don't know that's in this memoir is how much you've been through 
at a young age that you really didn't talk about for a very, very long time. And I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it. If you don't want to, honestly, it's really okay. It's, you know, I just think, you know, you had a big family trauma happen. And a lot of people just saw your beautiful smile and your, you know, sense of perfectionness and thought that that was, you know, you, but there is so much that you went through. You're, do you care if we talk about it? Is that okay? Oh yeah, no, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really highly sensitive. That's why I just want to make sure because I mean, your aunt and cousins were murdered when you were in their home, when you were how old? I was like six or seven, so probably, no, five or six. And that's what I'm learning. Like a lot of trauma happened when I was pretty young. And I think as you start going on journey of like healing, it's like, you know, there was a lot of maybe these things that I did that were just like defense mechanism protection from, you know, my first understanding of death was not like my dog dying or a fish, you know, it was my aunt and my two cousins with who were the same age as me and my brother. So it was just very hard to fully be able to understand that. And it tore our family apart. So it was also, I think my parents did the best they could with like, who can prepare for that and knows how to handle that. Right. For themselves, not only for like their children, who it's like, it could have easily, it felt like our family, this is happening. Yeah, you were really close with them. And no five-year-old is equipped to handle that. No five, I mean, they're just like, there's no way. And, you know, at that point, your family and you didn't really know about therapy. Your family didn't really believe in it. And so it wasn't something that you did. So you really didn't have a chance to process it at all. And, you know, it's my daughter's four. And I mean, she has, you know, she's scared sometimes of boogeymen or, you know, the dark and, and all of that is just, you know, something that a child goes through, but yours was real fear. You were really, you couldn't sleep at night. You were really scared that someone would knock on your door. And, you know, unfortunately it was just a, a horrible, I can't even, I really can't even imagine going through that. Yeah. I don't think it wasn't until mm, I've, really a few years ago, not even four years ago, I had fully ever like dealt with it because it wasn't my, I didn't see my family deal with it. You know, my, my dad or my mom or, and it's actually been so healing to even be able to talk about how it felt like talking about it. It made people scared because it is scary and it did just happen. Like it, it was a, a freak thing actually out of my my family being really kind to someone else and giving them access to their home. So it's scary to talk about because people don't want to think it'll happen to them. I was actually like, I was trying to ask somebody about like, why do people listen to like, why do a lot of women listen to crime podcasts? And it's because we did an episode on this. We did a full episode on this. Yes. But it's because like you want to, a lot of times they want to find where the person did something wrong. And that's the reason they, they got themselves into this situation. And so when I tell people my story, I, I always, it's uncomfortable because people don't know how to hold it. And I didn't even know how to hold it. Mm -hmm. And, and, And now that I've really, for the first time, like I said, in the past few years, like been able to like tell that story and like hold that space and really allow myself to like, be like, of course this affected you. Of course 
like there was fear instilled in you so young. Of course, like you have some of these things that you've dealt with, like and it's okay. Like, does it make you wrong? And you can feel these feelings and finally allowing myself to do that. I know it sounds so cliche and you hear people do that, but really like allowing yourself to grieve and like say, this is not okay that what happened to me or my family and X, Y, and Z is how I dealt with it because nobody really helped me through it. And now I'm here and now I'm doing, now I'm helping myself through it. And that's, that's where the power comes in of like, now I'm doing it. Now I'm healing. Yeah. I mean, and you are because there are people who go through their lives with not dealing with it at all. Right. And so here you are in your 20s, like dealing with it. So good for you because it is. And I think self-work is the hardest work to do. And I just want anyone listening to know that she talks, she writes about how she just started to write about it. Her, your right, your therapist said, "Okay, finally write about it," and that was something that really helped her. Want to put it out there for anyone listening who you know is in a similar situation and wants to know how you were able to start to deal with it. And she just started to put pen to paper and deal with it. I mean, I it's there's just so much in your memoir because you also mentioned how I think it was at age eleven you were diagnosed with cancer at some point. And I mean, there's so much in here that I can't even. I was shocked and you you don't you're right you don't wear it on your sleeve you really do keep it in and that's a testament to you but i mean it that has got to also add to the trauma of it all i mean that's a lot for a young girl to experience and I know chemo was discussed at one point. You didn't have to end up going through it. And it was, it did end up being, you know, something that was handled. And, but there is so much in, in here. And I'm so happy you were honest and real. And people know that, you know, we all have our shit that we go through. Yeah. It's so funny. Like, even like I can feel myself, which I'm probably still need to work through <laughs> in my own therapy. Like, I'm like, yeah, but I ended up not having to, like, you even say like, yeah, but it ended up not being like, it was, it was, it was still a malignant tumor, but it was encased and it was, it was this and that, but like, cause I don't ever, like, I, I know people who have, there was, I had a friend that was also kind of going through cancer and was going through chemo at the same time as me. And I think even then I was like, what, I'm not there yeah, I don't know. It's still being talked about. Maybe it will be like that, but like, I'm not there. And I think I just for so long, just thought I am so lucky, wish I was, but, but finally realizing like, Oh, that was traumatic to be like, <laughs> like I couldn't go to school for a while. Like I was constantly in the nurse's office. I constantly was, my mom was like, there's something wrong with my child. And like, she's like literally like a ghost, you know, right now. And, and, and having, people just crying around you because they're scared of what's going to happen. And I'm just like, I don't know, I'm in fifth grade. Like, I don't feel good. But what that does, what that does to to you and, and those type of like memories and, and fear. I think a lot of fear happened. Th- scary things happened when I was younger. How that has manifested in some of the ways that I've had to, I'm learning to heal from that now giving myself a little bit of grace of all that I've gone through and, and on this journey of doing the work because it is, man, it has been some work. I'll say it's not, it's not easy. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And we're back. You even talk about when you're in the hospital, how your parents are crying and you're the one that says to them, it's okay, I'll be okay. And I I have to wonder, that might be how you've gone through a lot of this trauma in your life, you know, taking care of others and, you know, shielding yourself and being like, it's okay, I'll be okay, you know? And so now you're just dealing with it. I, I can't even, I'm really proud of you. As your friend, I'm proud of you. And how therapeutic was it to write this memoir? It had to have been wildly therapeutic. It was, it definitely was. I will say for anyone that's going on 
the journey of self-work. Like sometimes it gets harder before it gets better. And for me, a lot of this realization and exploration was, was happening for the first time I was writing the book and it was hard. It was hard having to kind of go back and relive it. And while there, it was so therapeutic because it started a lot of the journey. It was not something that it it was yeah it was not something that was always enjoyable at times it it calls for a lot of really hard conversations and just continue evaluation of why i would start to feel the way that i felt during it. like when we were in the editing process of it and i you know was really involved in that it got not, I don't want to say dark, but like, it was a hard time for me. And then I started to know, cause I knew it was getting close to people. Like they were going to read the book and it was more the like that in between, I think it's always in the middle. It's in the middle of everything where it's, it's the hardest. But the day that it came out, I felt like this like instant release and relief of just like, you know what? It's out there now. I can't do anything about it. There's no editing that I can do. There's nothing I can take away. It's there. And this is my story. And I know that I was like super open. Now there's not one thing anybody can say about me or question because I've just let it all out there. And that was really therapeutic and felt really good because I also set it up in the book of, I wasn't saying I had all the answers. And I'm also saying that this is how I feel in this moment, writing this at 25 years old. You know, I can look back on this in 10 years and realize something totally different and feel a completely different way about the thing, about these certain experiences that I've had. But allowing how I feel and the experience that happened to be true felt nice. Because I think a lot of times I don't, I haven't trusted myself or really valued what some experience meant to me or felt like because it was just on to the next and don't like sit too much in it. And I don't feel like this book is about sitting in it. I think it really is about resilience, but that resilience didn't come from nothing. Like it, it come, it came from a lot of experience of hurt and pain and deciding to move forward and to continue to believe in the hope on the other side. I just feel like understanding yourself and handling how you handle stress is wildly important too. And I mean, you fell into this and not, it just snow, it was the snowball effect. Like you did one show, then another, then another, then, and it just, I can't, it's almost as if you couldn't keep up with it. It was happening so fast. And do you know now how your body handles stress and how to, can you feel it? And what do you do to handle, handle and manage that? So that is the work that I'm doing right now. That's been really hard. You know, I think there's been a lot more conversation about stress and how it, what it does to your body and when it's not managed correctly, what can happen. And I really disconnect. I dissociate really pretty wildly and really being in tune with myself and really feeling my emotions and my body is something I really struggle with. And it's hard because I don't want it to be that way. And I'm trying to be gentle on myself about really being able to have that connection. But through the going, 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 my way of handling the stress is I just honestly like it. 
I just go into that fight or flight. And honestly, it feels better living that way for me. And I know that sounds bad, it's, but it's, it's true. Like that feels more comfortable than right now when I can have like a deep sigh and like my life is, you know, I'm on that healing journey. Sometimes I feel myself going back to like what had become more innate for me to feel charged and triggered and stressed. And that's how I fought through the day. And unlearning that and realizing that that served me for so long. So there's no way I could have kept going without that, but I don't need that anymore. And I don't need to find experiences that keep me there always either. That has been really what I'm, I'm focusing on right now. And it's, it's been interesting to, to realize because I didn't realize that until after this last show that I did called Special Forces. And it was, it was filmed out in Jordan and we really went through Special Forces training without like no production wasn't really, there was obviously it was a production because it was a show, but it was just us with this directing staff and it was pretty brutal. Far cry from The Bachelor Mansion for sure. Yes, but I realized like everybody else, like there was like professional athletes there, like Olympic gold medalists. And for me, I was the most calm because I'm like, weirdly, I'm like, oh, I've been here before. I know what this feels like, you know, definitely not the person people thought would handle that the best. Isn't that a great feeling? It's great. It's great. But I think it allowed me also to, to realize like, oh, why does this feel so normal? But sometimes my real like reality, my real reality feels so hard. And that served me in that situation. It does not serve me in my regular Monday through Friday here in Nashville. But to know that I have that, I have access to that is wonderful. And that's where I have been able to survive and, and thrive in these certain situations. But I've also known going back to like my body. So like my body can be always like really tense and I struggle a lot with, I, I have like a body, guy that works in my body. He's like, your body feels like a race car driver sometimes. Like you're so tense. And like, I'm like, I literally haven't done nothing, anything. Because for a year after that, oh gosh, Dancing with the Stars, I did not, my body hurt so bad. I barely could work out. My stress caused me anxiety, caused it to where one day I could barely walk upstairs and had to go to the emergency room and thought there was something wrong with me. And they're like, it's, we think it's just anxiety. And this is while you were shooting Dancing with the Stars. This was after, like, like, this is during COVID and I was really struggling. And, and it wasn't all in my head. It was manifesting in my body, but it was because of living in constant fight or flight. So while it serves you in the time, if you stay living there, you're just really hurting yourself. So I'm, that's what, as I said, like, that's what I'm really focusing on is like realizing I don't have to live there. No, but you know what? It's interesting because I'm sure a lot of it's mental because while you were living in that space, you found wild success. So I can see how one would think they have to live within that space to continue the success. And it's really hard to retrain your brain. You don't have to live in that space and you can still find success and also peace. Guess what? You can have both at the same time, but it is so hard to do that. And, you know, I don't, I just have a lot of empathy for you in your position because as an actress, a lot of 
of people will approach on the street and they will talk to me about a character that I played and judge me based on the character I played, right? And for you, Hannah, it's it's the same situation, except it's a reality show where it is you, but it's also not you because the story has been sort of tweaked a little bit to, you know, make for television. And so... Can you talk a little bit about what that experience is like? Because I really empathize with that and understand it. But I think you, you, yours is even a level deeper. Yeah, that is hard because everything was real. The situations that I was put into are not always normal. And so people saw me being my true self and having these moments and they connected to those moments. But now as I've, I'm, I'm kind of working through everything, there's so much that goes into maybe why I responded the way that I responded when people like love that version of me. And I'm like, Oh, but that version of me was really hurting and X, Y, and Z. And I'm not that anymore. Maybe I see it, see things differently. I can't, it can be hard. People come up and like, Oh my gosh, I love this, this, and this about you. Or like, and I'm like, Oh, so great. Thank you so much. I don't, I don't want to let you down or, you know, but, and that is me, but also I've changed a lot. And now like I have a fiance and like, you're talking about a relationship I had back then and you loved how I handled something, you know, in my past. So it can be kind of weird, but in the same breath, it's, it is really cool because I have a lot of times where people talk about something that they watch me go through me being able to be vulnerable and have these experiences, real personal experiences in front of cameras has allowed other people to feel more free or take a next step and and challenge themselves. So every day is kind of different. And it also, it just depends on, you know, it it depends. It's dependent on where I have been on my, on my healing journey with it, but I'll always be thankful for it. But it is definitely this whole other thing of people feel like they know you and they do, they know this part of me, but they don't know fully everything about me. And also that's okay. Also like, yes, you can keep parts of you to yourself and let them think they know you. And, you know, it's all part of the process. And yeah, I can't even imagine going through all of that. You have a really wonderful mentor, Tim Story, who who you had on your podcast, Better Tomorrow, which is fantastic, by the way. Welcome to the podcast world. It's wildly fun. And I he his episode is so remarkable. He is so wonderful. I think a lot of people in their lives want to have someone who can guide them along through and help them along through but it it can be difficult to find. So talk to us about how you were able to find someone who you can go to in times of need that can really be there and fully understand you and be there to support you and help you and also maybe give you a little kick in the butt when you need it. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, how I met him was this like one weekend that I went to LA. It was actually, now I'm remembering it was because my parents had this, their business had this like convention and he was there speaking because they had these guest speakers and I sat down and I normally just don't go to the things. I don't go and listen to the speakers. It's usually in like Disneyland or Disney World. So I was just like, I'm going to go <laughs> get some rides. But I I listened into him and I was just like, oh my gosh, he's so awesome. I told my dad and my dad was like, oh, you should just, let's just, let's go talk to him. And 
I did. And he just like really believed in me and was like, if there's anything that I can do to support you, but I just like believe you're, you're going places and I want to help and I want to encourage you. So he's just kind of been like that, like almost like super wise uncle that's like always been there. And when I've gone through some hard times, I've been able to like call up and him speak life into me. But I want to say for other people, like as it had to be a Tim story, but it, it can be hard to find those mentors, but those are really special people and they come in like all different packages. And that, and even though Tim's story has been so beneficial in my life, it's also like the friends that I made along the way. Like Cammie, for example, is somebody who really is such a, a big mentor for me. Some of the girls that I went to college with who their life looks completely different than mine, but really making sure that I keep them a part of my life and they're, and they're speaking to me, reminding me the truth of who I am and what I was made for. Like that is so important. And I think when you can get in your head and it gets really lonely and it gets really dark, it can be so easy to shut those people off. I know for me, that's what I did, but allowing those people into your life, even when it's like not perfect and rosy and, and reaching out and saying, Hey, like I need some help. I need some truths spoken over me. It's, it's just, it's helped me so much in some of my darker times, but it can also be challenging to find those people. Yeah. And I think it's really hard to reach out too. I think just reaching out alone, just make taking that first step and reaching out to people and saying, I need help. I'm in need. I need something, you know, from you. Can you help me out? And that's why I think therapy is so cool too, because that's why I'm such a believer in it because that's somebody that is there to support you. They're not like kind of in all of the junk with you. They're there to just be able to like talk through how everything is affecting you without having like really skin in the game other than to help you be able to understand how you feel, how you want to move forward. Because not everybody, I I mean, I wish I could say everybody has access to a therapist. I hope one day that's true, that that more people have that ability to have help. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. 
So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And we're back. Speaking of, I do want to talk to you about your podcast because I think it is so good. I listened to your Tim Story episode. What do you love about having a podcast? Who else can we expect? I know I see an episode with Colton, right? Have you had any other guests that you love that you're excited to release their episode? I've really enjoyed the podcast. The podcast is called Better Tomorrow. And it's really just kind of the same thing I felt like my book, the premise is about like, I don't have all the answers, but I really am just trying to get a little better every single day and having conversations that really can help us learn and grow from how other people have gotten to their better tomorrow or on the journey to that. So yeah, I, I personally loved having Tim was one of my favorites just because of, like I said, I just think he just, he speaks in quotes, first of all, and he just has so much knowledge and wisdom to give people. And I think in a really accessible way, like you can understand. I have Dr. Nicole LaPere. Like I love like holistic psychologist on Instagram. Like I have her coming up and I'm so excited about that because she's giving us some value of the knowledge that she has, but also the experiences that she's gone through. Those are the type that are my favorite because I just like help me probably because I'm like, just want some more free therapy. I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. No, a hundred percent. I'm like, please tell me what's wrong with me or what. Yeah. But it's also been really fun. Like I had Colton Underwood on, which he was the bachelor when I was one of his girlfriends, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which has been funny because we definitely are, uh, we have both grown and changed a lot since then. But, you know, a lot of people love just having the conversations that when I've had Adam on, I've noticed that people just still really care and are rooting for me on this journey and want to hear the insights that I'm having and also just like the relationships and not even just like romantic, just the relationships that I have. So that's been really cool. And I'm trying to find a balance of that, of making sure that what I love about the podcast, which is is having these people on that can really give us some new insight and some new tools for being able to get a little bit, bit better. And that's what I love having that, but both also just continuing to be vulnerable and be myself, share the experiences that I'm going through and how I'm learning to grow and to challenge myself and also just be honest when it all does kind of suck, but we're just still going to wake up the next day and how can it just be a small change that could make us feel a little bit better. Yeah. And that's so key. I I did want to ask you before I let you go, just, you know, you talk a lot about the pressure you felt from where you were from to get married at a really young age because you saw a lot of your friends doing that. And, you know, a lot of listeners on our podcast are around that age. And I can see how that pressure would be wildly difficult to not follow in the footsteps of your friends and to try and reach for something different outside of the world that you've known. Can you talk to us about what that pressure is like and how you were able to 
let it let it all go and seek something else because I I want those listening to know that like just because all your friends are doing it doesn't mean you have to and there's a big world out there because you have been on the bachelor and the bachelorette I think people will come to you for advice on you know love and finding love because you are a happy ending you found your love and after a lot of public turmoil and a lot of public relationships so talk to us a little bit about that and what the secret is and you know how not to settle yeah I mean wow like I thought at 22 I it was time for me to get married and then I went on like I was the youngest bachelorette I really thought that I was ready for that commitment. And honestly, in the state of mind that I was in or the, the, the life and the world that I lived in, I think, yes, but it didn't work out for me. Like that was not the cards for me. And thank goodness it wasn't like truly. And, and that's not on anybody else. Like I had so much more learning and growing to do that I could even be in the relationship that I'm in now. And sometimes that, it's, is a gift. So if for people who are like, Oh, all my friends are getting married and I truly want that. Like I hear you. And I was that way too. And I, I did, I, I truly wanted to find my person and start building that life. But sometimes there's like, just, you have like a little extra gift along the way of understanding and learning more about yourself and being able to have a little bit more time to really know what you want and really see other opportunities out there for you or different lives that you can live that might be better suited for what you want moving forward. And that's what I got. And I I wouldn't have been able to understand or be mature enough to have the relationship that I'm in now, really. But I had to go through all the experiences to realize that what I thought I wanted wasn't going to give me all the things that I knew I wanted for a lasting relationship and maybe made the relationship fun and exciting and feel all the extreme emotions. But when it comes to like those true core values that I had and and wanted the relationships that I was finding myself in at that time was, it was going to be really difficult for that to continue and me get to where I really wanted to see myself with like a family that could support each other, love each other, communicate. Gosh, just learn to communicate. I think it sometimes takes you a little bit longer. So I now am like, oh, when I hear people that are ready and like look at me for love and and all the relationship stuff that I've been through, I'm like, just view the time that you have by yourself as a gift because you're honestly going to be so much closer to finding the person that you want to be with, the closer you get to yourself, if that makes sense. Because I think you, and then you kind of cut out a lot of the heartbreak that's kind of unnecessary. I mean, I don't, I don't think you have to, I, I think heartbreak can be good and you can learn a lot from it, but you can also learn a lot from yourself and, and, and valuing your time and who you are and not just settling for whatever is easiest or makes the most sense at that time, because it might not be what there might, or I do know there's probably something better for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And you have to believe that there is in order to get through it. Right. 
Now, I can't let you go without a fun bachelorette question because I just know our listeners will want to know, okay, when you date multiple people at the same time, at what point do you consider it dating? Like, is do you do you feel like it's dating when you get to the top three? Or do you feel like it's dating? Like, I just can't even... You did such a good job with it and you were really there. You were really there to find someone. And I really appreciated that because I'm sure that wasn't the case with everyone. But at what point do you like, okay, yes, I dated him. Do you feel like you can say that? That I... I actually asked Colton this when I had him on an episode. I was like, did we date? I don't know. I Yes, like we had more like intimate conversations that I think you have when you're really dating someone, but that's the, the part of the show that's really interesting. Like you get all the fluff is gone and you're having to ask each other questions that maybe you wouldn't normally on a first date or second date. I don't know. For me, I'm, I've am i always kind of been like, open up way too, too quickly. Or actually, I don't think it is too quickly for some people. Not but not person. for the timeline of that show at all. No, but not, not for the timeline of the show, but just like in general. I would say top seven to top four, I feel like that you're dating that person in some way, but it's hard. I mean, you can't ask somebody to have like extreme feelings for like so many people. And I think that going in, I thought, oh, I don't know if my person's here. And I really kind of stuck to that. I was like, I like these guys, but I don't know if they're like, I like them. I don't know if I'm like falling. But then I think they have some great producers on that show of then realizing like, okay, I'm just going to have to go like fully in and almost like trick myself. And then I did start having real feelings. But in a normal situation, I think everything would be a lot different. Yeah, of course. I mean, that is such a condensed amount of time. Take away a a cell phone, music, all the things that we use, not just for distraction, but for inspiration and just letting our mind wander. Like if you don't have any of that, then you are solely dating this person, these people. And that's really all that you're doing. So it's just, of course, you do end up falling for them because what else do you do? Right. But then when you like come back out of it, it's like, I know a lot about this person. I've kind of like seen them in this unique situation, but it's just a different experience than anything else. Like it's still like, I'm like, did I even date my top four? I don't know. It, yes, I definitely did, but it, it's just a very different dating experience. And it's not anything. That's why when people watch these shows, like, it was a, an experience that was real for me, but that is not, don't base <laughs> your relationships off of these really extreme situations. And obviously it works if people fall in love and get married and like, that's great, but that is not typical. And it's, not, it's something that should just be like enjoyed and, you know, maybe having these type of conversations is what makes it all where it can be of value to people of what I've learned through those experiences, it's awesome. But not to not to emulate them. No, just yeah, don't emulate them. But throughout all of this, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Dancing with the Stars, Special Forces, the memoir you wrote, you have a romance novel you just wrote, the podcast, your engagement. I mean, what have you learned most about yourself? And what advice can you give listeners who are in a crossroads of life, making ready to make a big decision? 
you've been through so much in such a small amount of time. I feel like you really do have a lot of wisdom to share. What I kind of said earlier, like resilience is something that I now can like give myself credit for having a lot of that. I've had a lot of extreme highs and and lows. And I think that that's important for people to remember when they're in the the low, that it, it will get better. It will. It, it, it can't not. And to just re- remind yourself that if you just keep every day, just making one little change, one little perspective shift, like that adds up and that can be really hard. And I'm, I'm saying this being like, I know it can be really hard when it feels like nothing's changing, but it, it, there really are those, those little th- things that you can do, whether that's affirmations in the morning, like this morning, I was just on the way and I kind of woke up in a weird mood. And I, I was saying audibly out loud, like today is going to be a great day. I'm going to work out right now because I, I love to move my body and it's going to make me feel so much re- better equipped for what I have the day ahead. And I am just talking audibly out loud to myself and it felt kind of silly, but I know that if I just continue to do things like that, like it will, and it does always get better. So that's what I feel like people could take from my story is just like, we're so much more resilient and stronger than we, we give ourselves credit for in the, in the moment. And yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> oh, there's a lot to take away from your story. I can tell you that, especially after reading it. And I know you have so much left to give. I'm so excited for our listeners to listen to Better Tomorrow. And Hannah, I'm so grateful that you came on and joined me today and grateful we were able to go there. And thank you for being honest and talking about things that are kind of uncomfortable to talk about. Yeah, I really appreciate no, thank, it. no, I really appreciate it. And, you know, even though I'm not having my love story out there for the world to see, like I have in the past, I have kind of switched means of sharing love stories with people. I have a new book that's coming out soon called Mistakes We Never Made. Mm -hmm. It's my first little stab at fiction, which is interesting because it's always what I wanted to do. I never thought that I would have a life that people would actually be interested in reading, but I always liked to read and write younger. And I I can remember being in my kitchen telling my mom one day, like one day, I think I'm going to write a fiction novel because it's just something that I'd really like to do. And she's like, you should. Is Mistakes We've Made a loose fiction based on your life? Like it's not fact, but but it's slow based on experiences you've had? So there there is a little bit of that sprinkled in there. So there there is a it's all a made-up world and experience that the main character Emma is having. But there's a lot of Emma that is based off of a part of me mm-hmm. and the love interest Finn, who's kind of like, it's like an enemies to lovers type experience is, I would say a great mixture of some of the loves that I've had in the past and just some of the feelings and emotions that Emma experiences and goes through really is pulled from some experiences and emotions that, that I've felt so that was fun to be able to do that in a really creative way where 
this is totally fiction for sure, but how can I take these experiences and that I've got to live these really unique experiences and what I've learned and how can I create something else for people to not only enjoy, but I think what makes fiction so great or what I love about reading a rom-com is of course to be entertained, but also to see a little bit of myself in the character and learn and feel like I'm kind of growing along the way too. And I think Emma definitely is going to allow the readers to do that. And yes, there's like a few little things along the way that are little tidbits into my life, but it really is a whole new experience and way to have this creative outlet for myself. And I've, I've really loved it. It's been such a fun experience writing and editing and just dreaming up this project. And now that people are going to be able to get to read it here soon is super exciting. What a remarkable dream come true to have a childhood, you know, just dream actually happen. So I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to read it. When is it available? The book is available for pre-order already. We just shared the cover art recently and it's so beautiful. I'm so excited. I saw it on your Instagram. It's really cute. Yeah, it looks it looks so cute. But it will be out May 7th, 2024. So it's just in time for those summer vacations. Mm -hmm. It is the perfect summer read. Honestly, it's one of the things I'm the most proud of because I just really enjoyed the process and the end result and think it's something that people are going to love. Oh, I can't wait. Well, Hannah, I'm so proud of you and so grateful. And you have just been a light for a lot of us in a time that was dark. And I really appreciate you coming out and being honest. And it's really refreshing and lovely. So thanks for joining us on Directionally Challenged. Yeah, just big virtual hug to you because I haven't you moved to Nashville and I haven't seen you since you moved. But I hope to see you soon. It would be really fun. That would be awesome. Thank you so much. You know, it's interesting because from the outside, you see Hannah Brown and all you see is this picture perfect smile. And once you read her memoir and talk to her, you realize there is a lot behind that smile. And in fact, maybe the smile is even covering a lot of the pain. And she is so honest and real in her memoir. And I really appreciate her going there with us today and talking about all she's been through at a young age and how it's affected her today and how she's finally dealing with it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. We have another great one coming for you next week. Until then, take care. Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions, hosted by me, Kayla Yule. Produced by Melissa DeMonts and Diamond Imprint Productions. Editing by Diane Kang. Post-production sound by Coco Lawrence. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson. <laughs>